Welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook with Brent Pasqua, Matthew Thiel, and Joshua Winterswijk from RPA Wealth Management. In this podcast, we cover current events, retirement planning strategies, and provide you with the tools to help you build a successful retirement playbook in any political or financial landscape. Join Brent, Matthew, and Joshua as they navigate the issues that can make the later stages of your retirement plan challenging and help you create the best retirement plan playbook. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome to Retirement Plan Playbook. I'm your host, Brent Pasqua. I'm founder of RPA Wealth Management. I'm here with Matthew Thiel, certified financial planner, and Joshua Winterswijk, certified financial planner. Today's show, we're going to discuss how to navigate this bear market that we're in. We know anytime the market is in a time like this, it really brings a ton of uncertainty. And so we want to address that. I think where there's a lot of uncertainty too, Matt, is uh, in cryptocurrencies. You're a big crypto guy, so I think we need to get to that and address that. Um, But before we do that, you know, that's hot out here in California. What are you guys doing to stay cool? Uh, I'm trying to find a uh, pool. You know, I'm inviting myself over to people's homes who have pools. I think I've invited myself over to both your places and, you know, let you both know that I have interest in your pool this summer. I also bought my daughter an inflatable pool. And she loves it. And then I get to put my ankles in and it feels nice. So yeah, <laughs> pools. Why don't you invite me <laughs> Invite me over? I mean, I can, but I mean, you want to put your ankles in my inflatable sure. pool? Yeah, Let's just do, come. we could do like over the weekend. Just hit every, I'll go to your house. I'll go to Brent's house and we could all keep cool over the, the hot holiday weekend. That's a good idea. Yeah. I say we just have to add some popsicles. I bought some popsicles for like our niece and nephew. Put them in the freezer. Really good. I hadn't had a popsicle in a long time. It's gonna You're a big popsicle guy now? <laughs> no, 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 I wasn't before. But I had one. It's good. Good for summer. Yeah, really we, good summer snack. We got those in the freezer too. Yeah, good. Yeah. I think the hard part right now with summer is like we're in a cold office all day long and sometimes our office is freezing and then you go outside and it's like a million degrees and then you're stuck between like an Arctic and then the Sahara Desert and you're just in limbo for two and a half months. Yo, yo, the other day when I left the office, my car said 108. It, uh, I know your car reads a little hotter than, you know, it is outside, but 108, man, that's hot. It's probably because your windows aren't tinted. That's probably true. Yeah, that's true. That. Uh, it could be. If you tinted your windows, it keeps some of that heat out. UV rays protection. And it keeps your daughter from getting extremely hot when you're driving. Yeah, you know, it's a good idea, but, you know, recession, I'll, I'll wait till they drop the price of window tinting. All right, so let's get into the hot take headlines. Crypto meltdown is actually taking place. Cryptocurrencies were actually obviously very hot for 2020 and 2021. And they have been imploding this year as Bitcoin is down 72% from its all-time highs. And Ethereum, the second biggest cryptocurrency, is down 78% from its all-time highs. Are cryptocurrencies the Beanie Babies or Beanie Baby 2.0? It's looking like that, right? The crypto markets have really been melting down, like you said. And it really all started when this one cryptocurrency called Luna or Terra Luna, which was offering a 20% yield if you uh, basically swapped your dollars for their coin, had a bank run. And the project now went to zero. What does a bank run mean? Um, When everybody asks for their money at the same time. And it, and it turned out a lot of the money wasn't there and the coin collapsed to zero 
and $60 billion was wiped away. And anytime you have something like that happen, there's always going to be more dominoes to fall, right? We remember 2008, what that was like, uh, versus a couple of mortgage lenders and it was Bear Stearns and it was Lehman Brothers and that's what's going on in crypto right now. So another company called Celsius, um, not to be confused with the energy drink maker, they were taking in deposits from everyday people like you, me and our clients and offering them, you know, four or 5% yield on their money, which seems great because obviously the banks are paying nothing. They were then taking customer money and gambling it in certain markets like the Luna market. And once Luna disappeared, Celsius disappeared. So that's a $1 billion project that has also been wiped out. And a lot of people have lost their money, unfortunately. And then there was this other hedge fund, Three Arrows Capital. And these guys were basically doing the same thing. And they were just going all around to all the different crypto exchanges, borrowing money and getting long all these crypto coins. They've been completely wiped out. So there's $3 billion lost. And now BlockFi, which is a very popular lender that gives deposits, I'd say they're that wouldn't you say josh they have a really big brand name kind of like up there with like a coinbase or maybe an ftx yeah uh, and i think they were one of the first to market the bitcoin credit card that's what really kind of brought a lot of light to their company yeah a real legitimate company there's rumors going on right now that they are selling themselves to ftx um, which is sam bankman freed's company who's a crypto billionaire for 25 million dollars and the last pri private round for BlockFi was raised at $4 billion. So basically selling it for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Every equity investor, according to the leaked reports, is getting wiped out. So that means if you invested a private, you know, your own capital into BlockFi by writing a check in the startup market that everyone says, oh, you make tons of money, you're not getting your money back on BlockFi, you're getting wiped out. So who's losing all this money? You know, all the people trading crypto. Uh, everybody who bought cryptocurrencies is, you know, getting wiped out. And it's sad because a lot of people put all of their money into this, which I know that we were touting crypto on the show or saying, hey, it looks interesting. But we never said put all your money in. We said always, you know, 1% to 2% of your net worth. So, you know, if you have a million bucks, it's a couple thousand dollars. But there are people who took their 401ks, their IRAs, their life savings, put it into these projects because, you know, they kind of follow the cult that it was. And now they've, they're getting completely wiped out. They're losing their homes. It's very, very sad. So where does this put the cryptocurrency market at? What's what's the future look like? I'm not sure. I think it's, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get much worse when they're... This is probably just the start for cryptocurrency. Most likely it's going to go back down to where it was in 2017, mm -hmm. 2018. So for a price, I mean, Bitcoin right now as of recording is at 19,000. Back in that time period, Bitcoin was below five. Bitcoin got as high as I believe 70,000. So it's just a massive unwind of wealth. Anytime you see these types of losses, though, it seems like the Security Exchange Commission, the SEC, is going to get involved more heavily. I would assume regulations are ready to come down. Is that where this is heading? Yeah, those are kind of the rumors. Regulations and lots of lawsuits. Because, you know, this happened in, I believe it was 2015 or 2016. There was a big crypto meltdown. The percentage losses were about the same as we're at today. But the difference now this time is there's a lot of real money in crypto. Um, we're not talking about a couple billion. You know, we're talking about you know, hundreds of billions, two hundreds of billion. Like there's a lot of money that's been lost and disappeared. And a lot of people who 
got rich, who cashed out, who started these projects are kind of in some ways looking like criminals. And it's just um, now that we're seeing these losses, you're also seeing how interconnected a lot of these projects were making, you know, like the domino effect, like you explain happened. And I don't think a lot of people even realized how interconnected these projects were. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's completely interconnected. And, you know, once one domino falls, the, the next one keeps falling. And, you know, there's there's real concern here. And, you know, obviously, if you're over-invested in, in, the, in the sector, you know, it might make sense to take some risk off the table, even down here, because you never know what's going to happen. And unlike 2008, where the Treasury came in and saved pretty much everybody after Lehman went down, they're not going to come in and save you in crypto. It's the wild, wild west. It's unregulated. At the end of the day, it's a lot of money to a lot of people, but it's a very small blip on the economic radar. Is there a chance that a majority of this entire industry gets completely wiped out and decimated and it's done? Or is it gone so far already along this path that there will be survivors, but it's going to get washed very clean. There will be survivors. I imagine the only two coins that make it out with certainty are going to be Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then, you know, we talked about those NFTs a lot last year, and I, I think those are incredibly interesting, a real value case. And while they've gone down a lot in price, just like these crypto coins have, I do think NFTs are here to stay. And it's a really interesting use case for the technology. It's still very young. The, the space is still not mature whatsoever. So yeah. there'll still be opportunity for those who survive. I agree. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, another big headline is the average interest rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage is now 5.7%. Late last year, it was below 3%. The median mortgage payment is now $800 higher than it was last June. Uh, rates going up, prices on houses still high. What's happening here? Interest rates went up and mortgage rates are following very quickly. And it's becoming a lot more expensive for the consumer to purchase homes. And now we are seeing that demand finally slow down. It, it took a little while though. I mean, interest rates have been going up, you know, since the beginning of the year. Um, but now we're really seeing the demand in the housing market slow down for the first time. I wanted to give a, a real life example of just how big of a payment difference um, it is because of the interest rates increasing the fastest they've had in decades. And the mortgage interest rates, since they have almost doubled in the last year, if you were to buy a $500,000 mortgage or home, after putting 20% down at a 3% interest rate, your monthly payment would be $1,682. Now, since the increase, let's just use another example of the current increase, the same house, 500,000, we put 20% down, and now the new interest rate is 5.81%. Your new payment is $2,350. Quite a significant increase. And for most consumers, we actually buy the payment, right? What is the payment and how can I afford it? So you can see how this is going to affect the consumer because of the interest rate change, now consumers are being priced out of certain home purchases, which are also seeing slow down the real estate market. So if you're considering getting a 
mortgage in the future, in the near future, next year or two, based on where rates are going right now, I mean, what are you thinking? Well, if you if you do have a home picked out, I mean, rates can potentially even increase even further. So locking in a rate probably as soon as you can, because they can. You know, no one can predict the future of where rates are going to be five or, or 10 years from now. But I think it's going back to the drawing board and seeing what you can actually really afford. Because it might not be a situation where you're still able to purchase the home you want because of the increase of interest rates. If you're a fringe buyer, um, your only hope right now is that prices come in a little bit because prices got a little bit ahead of themselves in 2020 and 21. Like we all know that we all looked at home prices. It's kind of bonkers land. And, you know, your only hope is homes come in by five, 10 percent, which would be really healthy. That would be really, really good for the housing market if prices fell by 5 to 10%. And in some metros, some areas that were hot, I'm looking at you, Texas and Florida, maybe if prices come in by 20 or 25%, I, I think that'll help kind of stabilize the market, get people to list their homes again, and then also allow people to afford them with these higher rates. Historically, when we've seen rapid increases in interest rates, do we see rapid declines in prices? Prices do come down naturally, right? The higher prices is going to slow down demand, um, not only with the interest rate change, but with the higher price. And what you're seeing a lot right now is the, the highest or the areas with the most accumulation. Like Matt and I were talking about Boise, Idaho was booming. And now you're actually seeing them being one of the first markets where prices are actually decreasing already to start this year. You know, eventually, like Matt said, and just to piggyback on that, those... Um, you know, hopefully we do get a little bit of a pullback in prices for anyone that is a fringe buyer. Uh, real quick, one point on this, because this is a general rate story almost, right? Like housing markets held up pretty well this year, blah, blah, blah. But interest rates are higher across the board. It's not just the mortgage market. It's auto lending. A auto loans are probably above 6% for most people right now. Credit card rates are higher. If there's an interest rate attached to it and you're borrowing money, you're going to pay a lot more than you did in 20 or 21. And your affordability is going to drop. Press inflation all around the board. Gas is more expensive. If you have a second mortgage that's an adjustable rate, that's going up to probably going to see a change in the payment. So definitely agree with you there that life's just more expensive at this higher interest rate climate. The one story I'm waiting to hear is that people are canceling Teslas. And then Tesla will get, because right now they have no inventory, right? Tesla makes a car they and they it's already sold goes off the line and it gets delivered to somebody. I'm waiting for Tesla to start building actual inventory because people are canceling cars and they have to produce cars to keep their factories running. And all automakers. Right. Yeah, all automakers for sure. I think one lesson that's important here too, though, is just by the example that we're talking about, if you're a younger person or you know, just anybody that's in the future looking to buy a house, how important your interest rate is because you have about, in this example, almost a $700 difference in buying the same house. The only difference is the rate. And if you don't have a good credit score and you're not in a, what they call a paper or good credit land, uh, this is another example of how you can put yourself in a bad financial position for a very long time by just by not having good credit. You're essentially paying more for the same thing by just not paying attention to your credit score. Yeah, it, focus on what you can control, right? We can't control what the interest rate is going up, but don't put yourself in a position and make it even worse by having bad credit or not the appropriate down payment and stuff like that. So. Right, and if you are a fringe buyer and your credit score isn't in the A paper land, then you probably want to 
get it there before you purchase this house because you probably aren't going to want to give up another one or two percent on your interest rate just because you don't have good good credit in in t- this type of environment. Yeah, and and really just the the bank's winning, right? Yeah, I mean in this example, you're paying almost you know over double the interest over the life of the mortgage. Yeah, I mean that's a good number, and I you know in the example that I gave earlier. The first at three percent, you're paying over two hundred thousand dollars worth of interest, and at almost six percent, you're paying over four hundred thousand dollars worth of interest. I mean, that's a huge difference over thirty years. Absolutely, just basic tools that can really help people over long periods of time. Totally. Uh, let's get into the retirement planning corner. We are now six months into the year, and stocks are in a bear market. This year has not been great for stocks. The S&P 500 first half plunged of 21% is the worst since 1970. And the NASDAQ 100 finished the first half down 30%, most since 2002. This last quarter, the second quarter of 2022, was the worst quarter since 2008. Today, I think we should talk about what some of our favorite strategies are during these down markets and why you shouldn't panic and do something that will really negatively impact you and your finances down the road. I know we all have really some different strategies and some important strategies that people can implement. Matt, should listeners be concerned that the stock market is going down right now? Brent, that's a great question. But before I answer it, I have a kind of a mini public service announcement. So everybody listening to this podcast is going to be opening up their quarterly statement. Hopefully, hopefully you check your quarterly statement either this week or in the coming weeks, and you're going to see you've lost money over the first six months of the year. And I'm here to tell you, everybody opening their quarterly statements has lost money over the first six months of the year. I've lost money. Brent, you've lost money. Joshua, you've lost money. Um, Your neighbor has lost money. The stock market's down. That's why your account's down. It's very, very simple. The only asset that has positive returns this year is cash. Cash is the only asset that hasn't gone down in price. Right. And if you're in cash or you're in an annuity or you're in some type of other investment vehicle that doesn't have the same type of market risk, you're losing money, right? You We have high inflation right now. Exactly. In real terms, you're losing money. But I just wanted to get that out of the way. Everybody's losing money. It's not unique to you. It's not unique to me. It's not fun. I don't like it. I hate losing money, but it's also part of the investing game. I don't like it either. So let's kind of look back on on what happened starting in 2020. In 2020, the government created a ton of fake wealth. They printed a ton of money. They handed out checks to everybody. And that money then got invested in all these various assets and everything went up. A lot of people are now starting to call it the everything bubble. Well, now that's being destroyed. It's being destroyed by inflation. It's being destroyed by higher interest rates. It's purposely being destroyed by the Federal Reserve. So once it's all destroyed, everything will be cleared and we could get back to normal, back to 2018, back to 2019. It was like then, but we have to destroy all the money that was created because it was just a fugazi. And you can make the argument it started even before 2020. I mean, the, the printing of money and really since after the last economic crisis in 2008, the money supply has just really been increasing. You, you absolutely can. But it got like funny in 2020. Sure. You were basically getting a new check delivered to you by the Trump administration every other month, I felt like. But to answer your point, should people be concerned? I, I, I don't think so. I mean, this is 
part, this is economics 101, this is a business cycle, this is a stock market cycle, this is how it works. Economy overheats, it, and then it starts to contract, prices go down, then they eventually go back. You know, I wouldn't be panicking, I wouldn't be selling anything right now, I'd ride the wave and have a plan. Is there a time where a person should panic, though? <sighs> no, you, you should never panic. I, I, I mean, I understand why people want to panic, but if you do feel like panicking, you need to reach out to a professional, someone who could help you and give you honest advice. Because that's the, this is the time as advisors where we make our money, where we provide our worth to our clients by telling them not to panic, by telling them to stay in the market and to think long-term and not short-term. And you want to be proactive. I mean, any decision you make now is going to be a reactive. The The emotional side of it, the watching the market and... and the nervousness is going to really drive you to make a decision or make a change. But we know that that isn't the, the strategy that's going to get you out on the other end in a positive manner. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that people always need to remember, and it's basic investing, and that's even though the market is down right now and price per share is down, you still own your shares. And yes, you can make the argument that if you're investing into individual stocks, price per share may not come up because some companies may not rebound from this. But if you're investing with the whole market and you're investing properly, the market has never not recovered. And although price is down, you still have dividends being reinvested. So you're gaining more shares over time. Hopefully you're adding a little bit and buying a little bit more in downtimes to pick up some extra shares. And as the share price comes back up, you essentially will hopefully have more money. And so I think people need to be reminded of that just because you're the house of that you live in value drops. That doesn't mean you're just going to put the house on the market and sell it. You still have your house. You're still living in there comfortably. And eventually the house price and value will come back up. I think you make a great point and just defining, you know, your shares are your ownership and, you know, you're owning multiple different companies if you're diversified and not all of them are even doing that poorly. There is still companies that haven't dropped as much as the market. So I think that you just make a real good point that you're not losing your ownership just because the market's down. And I think you guys make really good points that nobody likes losing money or having less money than they once had. But when you do get concerned, I think the one thing that you always need to remind yourself is, do you need this money right now? Are you needing this to live off of? And most people aren't. And if you aren't, then you really shouldn't be in any position to panic. Remember, you have cash flow. You could pay your bills. You could pay your expenses. Price per share will come back up. Yeah, well said. Josh, what are some strategies um, that you are telling your clients to do right now? Because I think really the strategies that you can implement right now are probably the most helpful things that get us through these periods of time. I think we've touched on a really good point. You know, A lot of good points already, which is not to panic. Um, not to be reactive, but we have to stick to the plan. You know, if we went into COVID in 2020 with a specific plan and we watched the market go down um, in the beginning of 2020 and watched it recover and you were comfortable there and now we got good returns in 2021 and now entering 2022, if we were okay with capturing that upside. We have to be okay with dealing some with some of the volatility that's happening right now so we have to stick to the plan. Now is not the time to deviate from that and be reactive. Um, and that's going to be, in my opinion, one of the best strategies that we can do right now. Along with that also is if you are still working or you're still just investing, investing regularly is going to be 
key to, to building more wealth in the future. You're getting 20 to 30% lower prices on anything you deposit or anything you contribute into your 401k or IRA than you were six months ago. So again, we're, you know, we're taking advantage of the sell that's going on in the stock market as long as we're continuing to contribute into those investment accounts. And then also even on the bond side. So, you know, going forward, interest rates are higher. So bond yields, you know, are, are have increased. So you're getting, again, a, a better bond yield if you're purchasing bonds right now than you were two years ago. Two years ago, it was at 1%. Now we're already seeing them at 3 or 4%. So an, another way to take advantage or kind of seek the opportunity that the market's giving us even through these volatile times. Matt, what are some of the strategies? Because I think those are great ones. What are some of the strategies that you're using for your clients? Yeah. The number one thing is, you know, one of our bread and butter strategies is making sure your portfolio is well diversified, right? We don't want to have too much money in one sector. We don't want to have too much money in stocks. We don't want to have too much money in bonds. We want to be pretty equally weighted and run, take a really balanced approach at this. And right now, what the data is suggesting is that you should still be running a balanced portfolio that is fully diversified of stocks and bonds. You know, we talked about it on the last show. The data says you should be buying right now and it could be off for a few months or maybe even in another six months but you have to trust the data and stick to the plan like josh was saying and keep buying and then you'll get more shares share price will eventually come back up you'll have more money than ever and you'll be that much closer to accomplishing your goals another strategy that i think is really really important is your risk management and you need to think the opposite of the way you feel when you're in a bear market. So, you know, bull market, everybody wants to take risk, but that should be the time when you're, ta- when you're taking less risk. For example, in 2021, I thought the market was getting a little bit ahead of itself. I started taking a lot less risk in my portfolio. I made very, very few new investments. Now I'm getting very, very excited and I want to make more investments with my money because prices are lower. It's time to get aggressive when prices are lower. When prices are high and you hear everyone around you popping champagne and your neighbor's <laughs> buying a new boat because he cashed out on some startup, you should be concerned. Or buying a bunch of cryptocurrency. Exactly. <laughs> when prices are down, you should be getting excited. You should have like be backing up the truck, ready to fill up your wheelbarrow and get ready to make a bunch of money over the next five, 10 years. What I'm hearing you say too is like a really good key to investing of like, bull market we should be assessing risk and it's kind of like the opposite of like instinctively what we do but really good key to that you know that you said stated there yeah do the opposite and, and then finally you know i i, I always tell my clients is you're never going to time the market right it's it's like driving on the freeway you're never going to really know which lane is is the fastest when you're in traffic and you switch lanes you're going to end up in the slow lane eventually pick a lane stick to the lane drive in the lane you're going to get to where you're going Same thing with investing. Keep your money in the market, pick a strategy, and don't change it for 10 or 15 years. You're going to get to where you're going. You're going to accomplish your goals. Don't pull your money out. What do you think is going to happen if you pull your money out and then two weeks later, there's an announcement that the war is over, that Ukraine and Russia have come to a peace agreement and it's all over. The market's going to rally 7 8% maybe even 10% one day and your cash is going to be on the sidelines. You're going to miss it. Oil prices come down. Inflation's coming down. A lot of good news. Exactly. Yeah. That happens fast. You'll never make that money back. up. No, you'll never make it back. And then you're sitting there and 
by the time you notice, maybe the market's 15, 20% higher. You're finally calling your advisor, your broker, or logging on to your E-Trade account, and then you buy. Well, great. You just missed 20%. Don't miss it. Yeah. Stay <laughs> in. I think one of the things that's really helpful with these strategies, and, and I want to tell a little story about where I've kind of seen this happen in real life. So the last couple of weeks, I've been working with the Little League District during the All-Star Tournament. And in Little League, as you go through these different All-Star Tournaments, Little League has these rules. And the, the rules are specific to Little League. They're not the same as, as Major League Baseball rules. So there's rules of how players need to come into the game. And so what happens is, is the people and the coaches that know more about the rules are better able to implement a lot of these strategies strategies that put them in a much better position to succeed and win. And I think a lot of this goes back to this type of planning. Whenever you do financial planning, you have to know or be working with somebody that knows how all the rules work. Because when you know how the rules work, you're better to be able to creatively create strategies and implement strategies that are going to be able to benefit you long-term. For example, tax harvesting right now is extremely important because you could look at positions that you can maybe take as a loss or you can move some positions around. Maybe you can buy a position that's as a mutual fund. You can move it to an ETF right now, take the loss, you're buying the same thing back. There's a lot of strategies that you can definitely implement if you know them or working with somebody who knows them. Yeah, great, great point, Brent. Josh, what are the practicing practice of spreading your investments around so that your exposure of any type of asset is limited and doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah, I mean, that's really just the definition of diversification, right? You you don't want to have a focus. We talked about cryptocurrency and having a focus there. Um, you, we just don't want that. We want your investments to be spread around. And I think that a lot of times when we talk about diversifications, and Brent, I know you know a few stories of this, is like it can be more complicated. It doesn't have to be though. Diversification doesn't mean more accounts or more mutual funds or more investments. Now with today's market, we can easily diversify portfolios. I uh, just wanted to define that a little bit, but that's uh, just a great um, definition of what real diversification is. What should people be avoiding doing right now? I mean, we've been, we're 30 minutes into the show and we've basically been saying, don't panic sell. So that's number one. I do not sell when the market's down. You know, you're basically locking in a loss for yourself. But, you know, on a second one, I, I think right now is probably the time where people are getting pitched a lot of shady investments, a lot of investments that look really great on paper. But when you really kind of pull back the the Band-Aid on them, they don't look so good. There's an ugly wound beneath the surface. Brent, why don't you tell us a little bit about annuities? Yeah, so I think during... My career is now almost 20 years into this thing. I've been through a lot of these periods of time where these recessions happen or these market volatilities happen. And I think what begins to happen during these times is a lot of the salespeople come out and try to give you a lot of the old school pitches to get you out of the market and push you into products that they're selling. And I want to make sure people try to avoid that from taking place because in a time like this, what happens is, let's say your portfolio is down 15 or 20% or 10%. They'll come out and say, well, hey, we're offering this annuity, and this annuity is going to give you this very nice bonus. And you're going to get a 10% bonus or a 15% bonus or 20% bonus. And the reason why that may look attractive to you is because you're down 20%. Hey, that's going to put you back to where you were or close to where you were. 
but it's not what it looks like on the surface because what that is going to do is that annuity is going to lock your money up for a very long period of time in a product where your bonus is not truly vested. So not really giving you that money. It's vested over a long period of time. And as much as you may not want to believe it or think it, the, the insurance company actually controls what you're going to make in that annuity contract because the, in, the insurance company controls what your rates are. Now, they'll tell you that what goes up can't come down and the market will go up, but you'll never lose. I get it. That's sort of the concept of how the annuity may work. But at the end of the day, they control what those caps are on those annuities and they will limit your rise and they will limit how much you can go up. And when they do that, your rate of return for long period of times are going to be extremely limited. It's like a lot of teasers, right? The bonus teaser, the cap rates and participation rates that start high and they are able to fluctuate them and drive that rate of return lower as you're within that product. I just don't like products that have a bunch of teaser rates. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that if you're getting investment advice from someone who bought you a stake, it's probably good to stay away. Yeah. And these, the people that do this are really the used car salesmen of this industry. They're there to sell you a product that's pretty sleazy, that they're going to make more money on than you are. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not going to benefit you. I would say be very careful because a lot of these start to take place during this time. Are all annuities bad? No. Are there good annuities? Sure. There's good annuities, but there's good annuities that aren't that don't pay an advisor a commission or an agent a commission. And because they don't pay out that expense, their rates and returns have the potential to be a lot better. And so I think that's what you need to be aware of is, hey, could there be good annuities? Sure, there can be. But you have to be very, very careful on which ones you're going into and stay away from the sleazy sales pitch because I'm telling you, they will not be good for you long term. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, if the idea of annuity sounds sounds cool to you, you know, meet with a real advisor, call a family financial planner, someone who knows how to construct a portfolio. You could probably create an annuity-like return in your portfolio by using stocks and bonds, um, which is pretty cool. That's a good point. We, we could take the specs of an annuity and within 10 minutes, we can tell you actually how it's going to work, not what you're being told from somebody else of what a, a pain of very good picture of how they think it's going to work. A fancy illustration. Yes. Uh, <laughs> can we, can we briefly talk about gold? Yeah. Let's, let's hear jo- what, well, I'm just going to put it to Josh, Josh, uh, what's the return on gold over the last 10 years? 0.82%, 82 basis points over it, the 10 year period. That's awful. That's a little bit better than your savings account, but that's awful. Please don't ever tell me gold's going higher again. You know what though? It's like, it's the same products that keep coming up whenever there's a bunch of fear within society. It's gold, it's annuities. Like when there's nervousness and fear, here comes the annuities and here comes the gold salesman. And what did I say the best performing asset was of the year again, guys? I forgot. Cash. Cash. That means US dollars. And you know what everyone's been telling me for 15 years? The US dollar is worthless. Yeah. Laugh out loud. Yeah. I mean, during this time you have the, uh, Gold commercials ramping up. The annuities, steak dinner, seminar invitations are ramping up. In the, so just be aware, aware right now that because the market's down, a lot of these things do, do start to ramp their head again. Uh, if people are really scared, though, what should they do? Yeah, it's pretty simple. You know, I, I would get on Google, 
and try and find someone to talk to, financial professional, CFP, if you only financial advisor, hope don't go to someone you know who's at a bank, don't go to a brokerage firm, don't go to a steak dinner and try and get advice from them. Get on your machine, get on your laptop, go to Google, type in fee only financial planner in my zip code. Uh, you know, contact the first two or three people who come up, start working with the one you like the best. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, when you're sick, who do you call? Your doctor. Yep. Well, some people use WebMD to try and self-diagnose themselves. <laughs> Brent, I'm not going to point any fingers. Yeah, that's not for me. I, I'll go to the doctor every time. <laughs> go go find or go call your, your financial doctor. All right, let's get into the RPA recommends. Uh, Joshua, what do you have for us? I'm going to actually recommend a, a movie. My wife and I this last week watched Hustle on Netflix with Adam Sandler. Great movie. Yeah, it was really good. Um, just it had a really good story, and especially if you like basketball. Um, but it's uh, it was fun to see Adam Sandler in, in kind of a more serious movie, and uh, we really enjoyed it. So if you haven't watched Hustle on Netflix, go check it out. Matt, what do you have for us? I'm going to go with the little pool we got my daughter. It's uh, from Target. It has a bounce house and a pool attached to it. Really, really cool. It blows up in two minutes. It's really only for toddlers, probably four and under that was going to be my next question (laughs) (laughs) uh like i'm too big to bounce on it but she loves it i could put my ankles in the water so at least my feet are cold really really good there's nothing better than finding things that make your kids happy i mean at the end of the day like that's just such a blessing as a parent uh my rp recommend is clothes based i it's always important to try to look good if you're looking for a polo or an outfit i I just started wearing this new brand. It's called Roan. I think it's pronounced. It's R-H-O-N-E. It's becoming much more popular. Um, they have really nice polos, great material, great style. I think it's a great, like, middle-aged man, retired. It's just a per- perfect kind of, like, brand for people that are trying to look nice and wear something that looks nice. And it's fairly, like, priced decent. Do they have golf gear? They do. Oh, okay. For all the big golf guys, there's there's golf gear there too. I actually haven't uh, haven't tried around. I'll have to check them out. So as we close the show, as advisors, we love helping people. That's why we do it. If you'd like to schedule an appointment with any of us, please go to rpawealth.com and schedule a complimentary consultation. You can also download our ebook from our website. If you'd like our show notes, please go to retirementplanplaybook.com. But as always, uh, and that's why we do it, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Don't panic sell. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Plan Playbook. Click the following button to be notified when new episodes become available. To get in touch with our team, call us at 909-296-7977 or visit our website at www.rpawealth.com to schedule a complimentary consultation. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RPA Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 